0: Love Talk
1: Radio. Hey everyone, this is Michael Vandervoort and uh, John Hyman. We're supposed to be joined by Robin Schooling, but she has not come on the line yet. So. She may or may not be able to make it with uh, given the fact that she has a day job. John, welcome to to uh, yet another edition of Drive Through HR. How are you today?
0: I'm doing good, man. I have a day job too, but I'm here so I don't know what Robin's excuse is.
1: I know, and, and you know, and I, I I being the billionaire that I am, I just do podcasting whenever. I now. I also have a day job, <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, Mike Vanderworth so, podcasting mogul. Exactly, that's that's Joe Rogan. I guess he gets paid a lot of money to do this stuff. I, I get I get nothing for it except for time and fun, I guess. Um, so we may have a couple other folks come rolling in. I'm getting texts and stuff. One person who said they would be here isn't, which is Robin and Crystal Miller, who's another co host that hasn't been on in a while. So she's going to join us soon. So we'll, we'll we'll roll with this. We're doing a host show today, and John Hyman is here with us. John is one of our new co hosts. We've been doing this show called Labor relatedly, these episodes about labor relations. and um, That wasn't exactly what this was supposed to be today, but it kind of turned out to at least kind of take that flavor on uh, because of just some topical stuff that's in the news. But, John, um, so why don't we start with the one that you wrote a a, a nice uh, blog post on. I I think it was yesterday. Why don't we start with the Boston Children's Hospital situation and threats being made against employees there, because that's that's something that is pretty timely. And I'll, I'll go ahead and let you kind of set that up and explain what's going on. You have some pretty inside knowledge on that, I think.
0: Yeah, so there is a Twitter account called Libs of TikTok, which is a, for lack of a better description, a fairly, uh, uh, con- a fairly conservative uh, uh, commentator who Takes issues with a lot of what goes on on kind of the left these days. And about a week ago, that account posted or shared a video of a doctor from Boston Children's Hospital talking about um, gender reassignment surgery. And then the Federalist picked it up and other right wing websites picked it up. And next thing you know, the Kind of, uh, and I'm going to wear my politics on my sleeve for a second here. So if you don't like my politics, well, they're mine, so I don't really care. But um, the uh, 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 the uh, anti-trans mob was activated, and all of a sudden, Boston Children's (laughs) Hospital is getting um, is getting death threats (laughs) and harassment, and by by phone and by email. The doctors are getting death threats, and it all relates to an allegation, which is unfounded and untrue, that physicians at the hospital perform hysterectomies on children, on on patients under the age of 18, um, as part of their part of their trans health uh, as part of their trans health program. Um, and yeah, this this story hit me. Um, Uh, somewhat personally in that I actually know uh, one of the doctors who's been receiving threats. She just finished a fellowship here at the Cleveland Clinic um, in their PEDS, um, their PEDS gynecology practice. And um, my daughter actually saw her for the year that she was here. And we, uh, I was, you know, as I do with doctors, I look them up and do some research. And I was fascinated by her research on gender assignment surgery and treating trans um, children, and the last time I saw her, which was right before her fellowship ended, and she moved back to Boston, uh, we actually had a fairly lengthy conversation about this very issue so i 'm comfortable in saying that what 's being reported is untrue what 's being reported by these right wing websites and what these doctors are being accused of is untrue, and that their their medical ethics are one hundred percent in the right place. And obviously, whether you agree or disagree with children, teenagers transitioning from one gender to another, um, uh, making threats um, uh, against health care providers for providing medical services is obviously not uh, – is uh, disgusting and horrible and should not be tolerated. And bravo to Boston Children's for their response, which was putting out a statement in support of the physicians for – um, strongly standing behind the work that physicians do for taking down any um, identifying information of the doctors in that practice from their website so they can no longer be contacted, for getting the authorities involved. Um, really, really scary for these healthcare providers who are just trying to do their jobs.
1: Yeah, and, and and I I think in the you know the I think the big question and and let me let me just pause here for a second, John, before I go into that question. Um, I see that Crystal Miller, I think, is has joined us. Unless it's either Crystal or Dwayne, or right, who's on the line there, guys.
2: It's both of us, actually. Hi.
1: Welcome aboard. Um, so it, it's, it's been a while since we talked to you or heard from you outside. So, um, yeah, Crystal, sorry about the email thing. I, I think I used the Gmail address that I had for you. So um, I, got yeah. your, I, I got your <laughs> – I It's anyway. okay. I haven't so, used that one in like five years. So I was like, wait, we have a show
2: today? <laughs> so, so all good.
1: Yeah, I, 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 I hit everybody up. And, and, and you know, uh, and so I know we're interrupting the flow of what you're talking about, John. So – so we haven't talked to Crystal and Dwayne in quite a little while. So John and I have started doing a couple of uh episodes of a show around labor relations and so we've we've kind of incorporated John as our special labor law correspondent and a fist co-host Dr. Uh, HR. So yeah, so he's on the line and we're talking about uh, Boston Children's Hospital and threats being made against their medical staff. So let us finish that up and then we'll come back around to you guys if that's cool. That's fine. All right, awesome. So, John, sorry, sorry, needed to kind of set the stage there. So, um, what I was going to ask is, like, you know, I mean, this is a kind of a weird situation that uh, that employers really don't have to deal with a lot. And I guess um, I don't know if you, I, I don't know if you can provide any kind of advice or thoughts beyond what you just said about kind of cutting off the contact info about what else employers might do in a circumstance like this where maybe somebody is getting threats. Um, yeah, obviously. It's,
0: it's, I, Get, getting the authorities involved, which it looks like Boston Children's did, um, is uh, obviously a great idea. Um, I would, I mean, if it, was, if it was my client, I would recommend things like increasing security around the facility and within the facility. Um, I would monitor all incoming emails, phone calls, um, and particularly um, uh, mail and packages coming into the facility to, uh, because of the potential for, um, you know, may, uh, bomb threats and other things that might be delivered by an act, actual mail or package. Um, and I would even, given, given the current climate and how aggressive my understanding some of these threats are, I might even go so far as to offer security, maybe even insist upon security to, Uh, Threaten employees at their homes and kind of on their commute to and from work to make sure that they're being that they're as safe as can be 24-7 at work um, at work and away from work. I think in a situation like this, I really don't think any amount of prevention is too much. And I think it's better to uh, for the for the employer better to err on the side of caution than to have to live with regrets later on because because of something you you could have done even if it's not we're not talking about things that are required here, we're talking about best practices, but things that you could have done and, and didn't do, uh, we don't want to live with regrets if one of these idiots, you know, decides to, to go a step further than just making threats. Yeah, and
1: those are not the day to day things that most DHR practitioners are thinking about, clearly um how do you provide that kind of protection and stuff and and I, like i've never had to do it but i have had some experience dealing there are some companies i'm not going to give names but there are some companies out there that uh provide a, a, all sorts of different kinds of protection security and so forth so obviously you could go to a security company but this isn't just like hiring a uh, you know, uh, 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 somebody to monitor your hallways or whatever. This this requires some expertise, and
0: um, yeah, this executive,
1: is the, executive security firms. And let me get, sorry, yeah there there are companies out there that do that. So if, if you're hearing this, and it, you ever come across it, there are resources. You'll have to do a little digging. Go ahead, John. Sorry.
0: No, I was going to say this is this is different than that. And where where HR practitioners typically come across issues like this is you know the 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 uh, Aggressive employee that you fire, um, you know, getting s- security around a termination, or um, you you have maybe a, you know an employee making a threat, or you know, and what employee assaulting another. Where typically, if you're concerned about you know someone going and getting a gun and coming back to the facility, and you know ha- maybe having an active shooter situation, which is which is which is horrible enough. Um, you, I mean, that can. Typically, be addressed with just some additional security measures around the facility itself. Here, we're talking. I'd be talking to to my client about more of a kind of around the clock security for these yeah. for these employees, <laughs> given that given the environment we're talking about.
1: Some of the other so like can the I, companies. Can I, yeah, go ahead, Dwayne. Jump in, sure. Uh,
3: so, so I'm. I'm first of all say like I'm 100% with you. Like no one should have to fear for their safety because of the job that they do. Um, having having worked in healthcare for a little while, one of the things that I hear immediately when you say that is the price tag on like security 24/7 for people during what 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 should be a a time bound el- uh, elevated threat, right? But unfortunately, I think what we've seen is that people who are going to make threats against a healthcare provider over this are not the kind of people who go away very quickly. And I do wonder about, you know, at what point does that drive um, the providers to say we're not going to provide these services anymore? Because frankly, we can't afford to. We can't afford the security for our teams uh, and and our ability to keep them safe. And it's terrible that we're in a position with our healthcare system to have to think about those kind of trade-offs. Like at what point do we have to stop providing services that are desperately needed? Um, and, and in my opinion, like the right thing to do, versus the realities of the economics of you know trying to keep your team safe. Like it's a really difficult position to put an administration
0: in. Yeah, that's a great point, um, and a very very difficult decision to have to. Have a uh, yeah hospital administration make the decision between providing needed medical services versus uh, versus the you know the cost benefit of the risk uh, involved in providing those services it it is it 's a horrible position and i hope you know hopefully um, I know that I think the u s attorney for the FBI and the Boston police are actively investigating these particular threats and hopefully the people that made them will be will be found and brought to justice and an, and an example will be made out of them. And hopefully that'll, you know, create some deterrence, at least here.
3: Yeah, I would sure hope so. I, I don't know that, uh, I, I don't know that the kind of people we're dealing with there are terribly rational when it comes to the example set with other people. Well, that's Um, coaching. but yeah, yeah, that would, that would, we certainly hope, but yeah, but I, I mean, you have to trust law enforcement to be able to to lock that kind of stuff down for sure.
0: Yeah. So, <sighs> So
1: let, let's, uh, let's detour um, because, we, ha- as I said a minute ago, we haven't really checked in with Dwayne and Crystal for a little while. And at least from my perspective, when last seen, it looks like everybody at Global Brand Strategies was eating dinner courtesy of Chef Dwayne um, at the house or something. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I'm not sure in so, what city uh, or what continent it, it was on, but how are you guys doing? Yeah. Uh, so we're
2: doing well. so, so just PBS. It actually, I, I don't know that there- it, Everybody it, does that. Everybody it does
3: stands that. for whatever it needs to stand yeah,
2: for. That. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but so we were in DC, I think, last at our company planning retreat. So we had brought in most of our company. Hmm. A couple people weren't able to make it A flight issues, but um, but most of the company was able to come in and, and work on planning together for uh, about a week, which was nice to be able to spend that face time with each other since we work remotely most of the time. I guess we
1: work remotely yeah. all
2: the time. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, um, so we've been we've been good. Go, sorry,
1: go ahead. No, i go got so good. No, no, that's fine. I was just gonna say. So yeah, so so that's cool. I was just gonna say, uh, you know, how's everything else going? And um, you know, and then oh, we we'll get, we'll get back to the show topics, whatever those are. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Sorry for being MIA, drive-through crew, uh, and and uh, listeners. I've just finished up my master's, um, which has been like a, a very intense year, <laughs> um, and a year and a half ish, but, uh, so that's been a good ride. Um, hopefully we'll be able to do more now that I'm not, um, constantly immersed in, in birth work and, um, fire drill papers, <laughs> <laughs> pardon me. So that's
3: me. Dwayne, how have you been? Uh, I've been really good. Um, It was great to get to do some um, conference work over the last few weeks with SRSV, uh, with a friend of the show, Karen Mignonelli. So, um, you know, getting back on that horse, I've made some contacts with some of the the great vendors and sponsors of those shows to start, you know, relaunching our our tech shows uh, so we can get some vendors on there and talk about what they do and how they're successful and how they help our practitioner friends. Um, So we're going to start ramping that back up. And uh, you know, summer's almost over. The kids go back to school. We've got all kinds of free time, just like every parent on the planet. Um, so yeah, looking forward to to being able to go
1: back to doing shows. Yeah, I mean, it's been I've been in, I've been super busy. Um, just you know, with the day job, as John and I were joking about I think before you guys came on. Mm-hmm. Um, my my billionaire role as a podcast mogul doesn't work out that didn't work out that well. So I had to go <laughs> back to work. And anyway. Um, I've been super busy, so I haven't been doing a lot. We haven't been. Robin and I haven't been doing shows. John and I have done a couple, and Robin launched launched her own sort of uh, recruiting series. Now that Yellow or that they've been, you know, now that Parrot and Yellow have merged or acquired or whatever happened, yeah. So everybody's going through a little bit of transition right now. You know, it seems we're. Eh, About once a year, we all rearrange our lives a little bit. But um, So John and I are kind of doing this project, and Robin's doing her own thing. So I joked with Robin that we're kind of like, you know, the Beatles. We went on hiatus for a while, but she said she wants to keep doing the the co-host shows because that's our bread and butter. Um, so it'll be cool to get you guys back as well because that'll give us a pretty nice, uh, pr- pretty nice mix of different topics and stuff. And 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 we've at least you know on a on a on an occasional basis rolled John in. So we have a we're a we're a five some now as opposed to just a a quartet, I guess. So anyway, cool. Well, I'm glad you guys are doing well. And, and, and along those lines of
2: rolling people in, um, Jen Sarp and I will be doing employer brand based shows.
1: Um, okay. a
2: couple times a month. So nice. what yeah, what we really had a great like, interview
1: a year you guys did a great show or so yeah. years, a year or so ago. I remember that. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it was really fun and um, you know, we worked together but we, we like talking about it. We're like so we talk about the topic, we should just record this for drive Through HR. But <laughs> that will be the thing. Um we do a couple times a month. But beyond that I'll be focusing a lot on um neurodiversity and inclusion So looking more of that D E I B plant um, and how that
1: impacts the world of work, so HR, but,
2: you know, TA and EB as well. Yeah. That's my focus for the next five years, so.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Nice. John, as you can see, these shows uh, are largely unscripted, and we never know exactly who's going to show up, so... What, what what our script as far as Crystal and Wayne, What our script was was John and Robin and I picked out four topics, um, and right uh, we we didn't we didn't plan any questions. So I, I and you had like a minute and a half to to figure out if we had a show. So I don't know if you had anything know, you wanted like, to I talk just, about. I just about it. I'm excited. Yeah. So I'm going to switch over then um, and talk for a minute about. Um, the the There was an injunction yesterday, so as you guys know, I live in Florida, and Governor DeSantis uh um, has taken a path in this state of being very activist around the uh, around speech and topics yeah. related to race relations and what you can teach in schools and all kinds of stuff and We usually don't do many political shows, and like John, I kind of wear my politics on my sleeve sometimes, so so I'm not a huge fan. A lot of people here where I live are, They the guy has a pretty strong following here. But anyway, they, they passed a bill that he refers to as the stop woke law, which restricts uh, the teaching of certain topics r- related to critical race theory, which has become like, like the trans issue, it has become a hot button issue wrapped around a very esoteric topic. Um, you know, teaching of critical race theory in schools, which probably didn't happen very much at all, but you would think every teacher in the, in the state of Florida was talking at twenty yeah. seven, you know, so, it's so the whatever the, du jour. exactly. So, so anyway, the, 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 the governor proposed in the Florida, the Florida legislature uh, endorsed passing this thing called the stop local law. Well, it went to court yesterday and it was completely enjoined by a federal judge. Um, and i guess i wanted to kind of tee up i so i personally i find that optimistic i was going to ask john a question that kind of goes into another area but i i it leaves me feeling optimistic that maybe you know we still do have and at some level free speech because of the federal rights versus the state rights you know so but john i was going to ask you first because there's a parallel to this in that um in um the uh NLRB where uh general counsel bruso wants to stop um employer meetings by making them an unfair labor practice charge right so there's there's personal free speech and then there's employer free speech and i guess i was going to try to tie those together for a second uh but before we jump over to you to answer that i i, I don't know if you guys Dwayne and Crystal had any any take on stop woke or or should i move to the straw um. i with wait, job
3: I actually thought you were going to go to the Starbucks thing first because I think it's fascinating. Um, Look, here's the deal. Like, yeah, free speech is a thing we're not supposed to impinge. The government's not supposed to tell you what you can and can't talk about. Um, It's a government school. So, you know, I, I guess on some level, if you're saying that the people of Florida are really against it, they shouldn't do it. Uh, Look, again, the CRT and the wokeness, it's all a dog whistle. It's not a real issue uh, from everything I've seen. I've never once heard any of uh, the kids in our orbit come home and talk about CRT. And if you've actually read what CRT is about, there's really nothing threatening about it. It's It's an honest look at the history of America and kind of where things come from. And from what I've read, it actually raises more questions than it answers. And I think they're interesting questions to think about. Um, are they appropriate for second graders? No, but they're not being taught it anyway. So I, I really think it's it's DeSantis is, is pandering to his base, which I understand. That's part of his job. Um, but I'm glad to, to see that at least on some level we've got a court that's stepping in and, and trying to re- restore some common sense into the way that we run our schools.
0: Yep. And I think it and, and there's I think it has there's the there's potential there. to bleed over I think it has the potential to bleed over to the workplace too as we see efforts on certain fronts of attacking things like, you know, DEI training and initiatives in the workplace. Um yep. I, 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 yeah. So I think this really has some um, not just okay. the, the 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 focus of this particular law, but I think it has a m can make a broader statement about kind of where we are on a national level about Making sure that we can still do things like DEI training without um, idiot governors stepping in and saying, uh, you know, stop yeah. trying to make our work stop trying to make our workplaces it, woke. It, in the and I'm, I'm and, I'm, and I'm, I'm I'm happily I'm happily woke. Like that that's fine. Like that doesn't bother me. <laughs> but. Well, what
3: is like what is the definition of woke? Is that we consider everybody else's feelings and we let them live their lives? Like why are we against that again?
0: uh because because it offends uh some white guys some some old white guys sensibility uh his 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 insecure position of being a white man uh in the world yeah that i believe
2: so i agree with this i think it it's it's maybe a little more basic than that because to be kind to other people to be considerate of other people means I have to consider someone's perspective other than my own. And there is a large swath of the United States, there's a large swath of the world, really, that is just me first, me only. It's not even just like me first, it's me only. I don't want to have to consider how my actions and my thoughts and my words might impact somebody else. So I'm just not going to. And anything that makes me have to do that, I don't You know, I, I don't know. I, I just, it's shocking to me how many younger people seem to fall in line to this. I like really, it's, we, we say it's the old white guy, but it's not just the old white guy. There's a whole
0: lot of people in the United States that just do not give a damn about other people. Well, yeah, And we just keep making more old white guys. To, now I was going to say, somewhere we lost yeah. our ability to be compassionate, and it's 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 awful, and it's scary, and it's sad. Yeah. I, I agree. Um, I just think we all and, have to be and, careful
2: about the idea that it's, it's you know, it's one segment of our population because it's, it's not. And for us to fix it, we're going to have to go through all levels of our populations and start helping them see that it, it's not an either-or. It is not a zero-sum game. You can be compassionate and still live your life. Yeah,
0: inclusion. Yeah. You know, it, it, inclusion isn't a pizza. Just because I eat my slice doesn't mean there's less left for you.
1: Right. Exactly. <laughs> I, know, I know people who
0: hate that analogy
1: it the 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 the, the Act are also actually it does restrict employers um in Florida we there there were certain there were certain, and I don't I I have to admit I'm not deeply based, steeped in the knowledge of what that law said because I don't do DEI training anyway but it 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 did have some prohibitions on what employers could discuss in their training so it did in fact infringe on, if, if you consider employers as an entity, it did, in fact, infringe on employer-free speech, just as the NLRB would. And I guess I wanted to, you know, just get you to opine on that for a second, John, from a legal perspective, because I think that's one of the potential big challenges for Abruzzo. If she does uh, cut off employer, the ability for employers to hold meetings over unionizing, that's going to be a, a major case at some point in the near
0: future, I suspect. Uh, yeah i mean I, I, I can make i can make a good faith argument that an an employer policy for example that says we are not going to allow any talk of diversity in the workplace we're not going to you know employer policies that would seek that that would seek to restrict speech that way i can make a really good faith argument that those policies insofar as they would act to limit employees rights to potentially raise issues about a lack of diversity or otherwise would violate would violate those employees section seven rights on the one hand. Um, so I could see if the, you know, if an employer tried to implement a, you know, no, no wokeness policy in the workplace, I can see that policy having serious potential section seven issues. But on the other hand, right. You have, a, Bruce, a Bruce show who is trying to limit what employers can or can't say during, you know, during an organizing campaign and, you know, captive audience speeches and in other forums and, you know, maybe maybe you can draw a distinction while it's all kind of broadly under the umbrella of speech, maybe, you know, speech about race or sex or other protected characteristics to me feels just fundamentally different than an employer talking to its employees about unionization or other things that just don't, they just don't look or feel the same as restrictions on, you know, talking about black lives matter or, or gender equality or trans rights or any of the, any of the rights that we, um, you know, we hold as fundamental to who we are as people. Great.
1: Okay. Um, And then I had mentioned Starbucks, and then we got like 18 minutes or so left. So um, Starbucks, and I'm not sure which aspect of it you were thinking of, Dwayne, but there there are two big things that happened yesterday or in the last couple days at Starbucks. One is there was uh, seven employees in Memphis who were terminated a while back for – allegedly violating rules and um and, and according to the employees themselves for trying to organize a union and the <clears throat> NLRB ordered the reinstatement of those seven employees yesterday, which is a huge case or a huge huge decision with a lot of implications for Starbucks. And then the other thing is Starbucks filed a massive uh allegation against the NLRB itself for tainting some of these mail in ballot elections. Um so the the Starbucks and Starbucks Workers United uh, thing, which has already be, been a huge labor relations story all year, it looks like it's turning into a years-long saga in the courts. Uh,
0: so
1: I don't know. Uh, I, I was kind of interested in getting John's thoughts on the on the uh, the election side of it, but since you had indicated some interest, Wayne, where were you headed with it?
3: Oh, mine was the reinstatement of the of the seven. Uh, I thought yeah, it was a, yeah. a fascinating case study to watch. Uh, I think it was. I think it was one of them that they, they talked about. Like they got their termination papers for being two minutes late while they were opening the store. Uh, I mean, it's like some of the stuff you look at. You're like, okay, obviously this is retaliatory. Like it just clearly is. And I'm glad that they got called on it. Um, so that that was the part that I kind of figured that you would want to dive into right away. It's a it's fascinating look.
1: Yeah, and there, there's actually it, it, it's hard to discern because everything that I you know everything that you read is from media reports, right, or, or allegations yeah. from the the people who were impacted. But uh, Starbucks claims that that these employees were holding a meeting, and I'm not sure when when it was before their shift or after their shift on this on the premises and the after hours, I guess, or before opening hours. And they were holding a meeting to talk about unionizing, unionizing which is okay, but they somehow invite, opened, unlocked the doors and invited members of the media in to the building. And so Starbucks, and their allegation was they terminated them for violating work rules about security, safety, not allowing, um, you know, non-authorized employees on the premises, which, you know, on its face may have some validity, but the board. The board overruled it so yeah there's a no, there's a whole slew of these cases in the pipeline at many other starbucks across the the us with similar things you know that i was two minutes late and i was terminated or i i, I tried to take a vacation day and they denied it so i called in sick and they fired me you know a lot of, a lot of allegations of retaliation and i suspect some of there is some aspect of that probably not in every case but certainly in some of them um yeah so i don't know john what where, where are you at on that one
0: um it's interesting, I mean we're definitely seeing um you know more uh you know more aggressive uh you know the the board hasn't always used its injunctive powers to its full force um and to see them you know use it here is definitely a shift in a much more aggressive direction um uh, you know you and I have talked before about you know it's what's Starbucks tactics here with the unions and their um you know whether you want to call it. You know, overly aggressive anti-union tactics, union busting, or or whatever you want to call it. Um, but yeah, if you're, uh, it certainly calls into question, right? If you're, you know, an employee is a couple minutes late and then you're firing, um, you know, it certainly calls into question what the motives are, particularly if that is if that employee is a vocal <laughs> a vocal supporter of the union. Um, and yeah, but it, it to me, it's it's more an issue of a signal, uh, you know, further evidence of the pro. The, the very pro-union agenda that the board is, is, uh, is pushing here by, you know, using it to, its injunctive powers in ways that we really haven't seen it used, used before. Yeah.
1: There's a, um, I don't know that this, num- the number probably changes every day, but the last I saw the, 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 the union has filed 284, um, unfair labor practice charges against Starbucks for various things. Um, and I was doing some math, just kind of using assumed numbers based on experience from ULPs that I've dealt with in the past. So, 284 ULPs, um, and, and, and that's assuming they're very low cost ones at like $25,000. That's seven million dollars in legal fees for the to, if you if you just assume each one costs twenty five dollars And that's definitely not the case here, because like that number's a seven one. Um, had a lot of fact finding and a lot more in, investigating and stuff. So the, they're, they're spending probably double digit um, millions just defending these ULPs. Not not to mention the other time that they're spending with meetings and and that kind of stuff. But it, um, it, if it, anyone
0: if anyone from Starbucks is listening, I can probably get those fees for you down to like five million. So five
1: million. Um, <laughs> Jay Hyman <laughs> at Wickerslaw
0: dot com, friendly neighborhood <laughs> non <and> <laughs> <implied labor> lawyer. <laughs> But, but Always
1: offering anywhere. to our listeners. Always <laughs> offering the best services. Uh, and,
0: and I have, uh, I have
1: an I have an executive security and protection. No, I don't. Uh, anyway, um, the other thing is the the mail ballot elections and the fact that the board Starbucks has accused the board of painting the elections. And I again, I, I'm not. I haven't read the whole whole summary. It's about a twenty page document. But my understanding of it is that the board was contacted by the union in some of the elections, uh, uh, particularly in Overland Park, Kansas, uh, trying to find out who had voted or and and with concerns that some of the the, uh, employees that were eligible to vote didn't receive their mail mail ballots. And so the board allegedly made exceptions to the mail ballot process and invited people who claimed to not have received a ballot down to the, the office to vote in person and were essentially engaging in, at least in, in some dialogue with one half of the uh the parties that were involved in the union election but they never mentioned any of this or disclosed any of it to the company so at a bare minimum they tainted their own process um, assuming those facts are true and in worst case they may have invalidated a whole bunch of uh elections that the union won and i don't know how those how that gets sorted out and i was I don't, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that john or not but it's a it looks like a huge complex mess with a, a number of years of litigation ahead to me
0: well, i mean what a huge bomb to drop if there's nothing behind it right i mean that is such right. a massive allegation to make i mean that I, would i've heard
1: there's uh, whistleblowers involved just that's what i've heard. That,
0: heard that's that's what i've heard too at least that, that's what's being reported. But wow, what a huge freaking bomb to drop! Um, uh, to allege, I mean, that would be corruption that could rock the. I mean, that could rock the NLRB to the core. I mean, it take not just not just in the Starbucks elections, but does that call into question the credibility of every other election that a union has won uh, before the board in the last um, however you know however many months or years? It is a it is a huge allegation that would, uh, if true, have the potential to do real serious and lasting damage to uh, the NLRB and its credibility. Yeah. It's kind of
1: like a, uh, finding out that a police detective, you know, had, had planted evidence and calls all their cases into question, all their convicted cases or whatever. And it certainly spelt, almost certainly spells the death knell of the, uh, mail-in ballot process. So I, I just don't think employers will agree to or trust it any longer and probably litigate it to avoid it based on those, those concerns that it's, you know, too easy to taint. And it even spills over into the election controversy around, you know, around our democracy as well, right? I mean, it's, I don't know, it's crazy.
0: So. Yeah, I mean elections haven't uh, – I mean there there are people that are attacking the credibility of elections as an institution, but allegations like this are certainly not going to help. Yeah.
1: So we have eight and a half minutes, and Dwayne or Chris Light, like I said, I know you guys didn't get a chance to
0: prep, but, but did you
1: have something top of mind for you guys that you wanted to throw out to discuss for a minute because we're just kind of rambling around here today? You know what,
2: honestly, I was just happy to be able to talk with y'all today. Um, I don't have a, because I didn't know there was going to be a show today. I don't have a specific topic um, for today, but I've loved listening to what y'all are talking about. Dwayne, what about you? Um, you
3: know, if I had to pick a topic off the top of my head, I'm, i really interested to see, um, as we, as a, as a nation, as we continue to devolve in our ability to be civil to those who have opposing political views. Um, with everything that's happened over the last couple of weeks, uh, and, and having just been in D.C. and kind of looking at the, you know, the, the the cradle of our democracy, so to speak, and seeing some of the documents, I'm just, I'm I'm really interested to see like where do we go from here? And and as as employers and, and business leaders, like how do we how do we foster a little more mutual respect in those groups in the workplace, um, especially with the idea that. Like let's be honest, it's likely to get more contentious over the last or over the next few months than less so, uh, and I think it's going to be a real challenge for employers, um, you know, as we as we navigate these midterms. I know well, we say I, that every time, but it, it, it always feels worse.
0: I I I firmly believe that if the DOJ ends up indicting Trump and that's where it looks like we're headed. I think we're yep. going to see violence break out around the country and then employers are going to have choices to make about, you know, what do you, I mean, I know what my answer is, but you know, what do you do with the employment of individuals who are taking up arms and acting rebellion against the US government, which is a question that HR folks have never had or business leaders have never had to answer before. So, and it yeah, seems like a pretty clear cut. Yeah.
3: Well, I mean, it, it's here's the thing. Like, it, it On one hand, to me, it's super obvious what you should be doing is not associating with people in your company. On the other hand, well, who are you as my employer to tell me what I can and can't do uh, on my personal time?
2: That's where I was going with it. I think some of it depends on your role within company, right? So, you know, I, if you are working for a private employer, you have to check your employment agreement. And if there, if there is a real issue with trying to dictate what, what people do when they're off hours. Mm-hmm. And let me be really, really clear, I am not for in any way, sure, form, the behavior that we saw on January sixth, or quite frankly, some of the behavior we've seen just in, in um, counter protests and things since. Like but, but we do have a country where people are allowed to make complete jerks of themselves if they choose to do so, as long as it's not you know, in violation of an employment contract that you willingly entered into that has things like morals and behavior bosses into it, then employers, they
0: stay out of it. Now, see, I look at it, I, I look, I, I look at it differently. And I, I wrote about this after Charlottesville a number of years ago, and I, I don't feel any differently today. And I, I said it again after January 6th, and my opinion hasn't changed that if if you're going to, if you're going to act the fool and worse kind of act the racist <laughs> fool or the insurrectionist fool outside of the workplace, I cannot allow that to come into my workplace. I cannot, I, there, you will have, you will have, uh, like after Charlottesville, um, you're going to, you know, have pictures of you online, you know, carrying, you know, a tiki torch, you know, through the streets of Charlottesville <laughs> marching, you know, you will not, you're screaming, you will not replace us. Then you got to go into work and you know, and sit at the lunch table with your, with your black and your Jewish coworkers. Like, that's not happening in my oh, I workplace. I hear you. And, like, yeah, like and, let me and, be really and,
2: clear. I hear you. I hear what you're saying. I think at the point that all of that stuff comes into the workplace, then it's in your workplace. But, but how do you, how do you say, you know, and again, I'm not trying to protect these people. I think what they've done, like, those kind of things are simply abhorrent to me. I, I don't understand them. But. But if if they do it, right, so they've done these things, they're not doing it at work, they're not doing it on work hours, they're not wearing any work gear, they're not representing your workplace, and then they come into work and they do their job and they don't talk about those things, it doesn't come up, then on what basis are you firing them? At the point that it comes up, then it has been brought into your workplace and it makes sense to deal with it. But before then, on what basis would you fire them?
0: I think the mere fact that... They are participating in those activities, and their participation is known by others through whatever means. I think is a disruption, is a distraction, and I think it does not. If I'm the if I'm the employer, right? I am not. I I don't. That's not what I want my company to stand for. And I think I, as the employer, have the right to say, um, you know, not here, right? No, I'm not. I'm not going to cut you a paycheck. That's going to, you know, fund your support. It's not going to financially support you doing these things, and so, Abby. you know, you have you you have the you know to kind of circle back to the free speech topic we talked about before. Yeah, you you have the government can't step in and infringe your right to free speech, but in a private workplace um, with limited exceptions like under the national labor relations act, which wouldn't be implicated here. You just, as an employee, you just don't have those rights. And you know, what's the, what's the phrase, you know, freedom of speech doesn't mean freedom from consequences. And the quant, the consequences here, if you're going to take up arms against the U S government in active insurrection, the consequences are you might not have a job or we may end up with, and maybe where we're headed is a country in which, you know, we have, um, you know, left left wing workplaces and right wing workplaces, and I don't think that's a great solution either. I think our country suffers when we no. have when we're that stratified in our thought that we can't talk to each other. But I don't think I don't think we can rationally talk to people that are actively plotting to overthrow the government.
2: I, no, I, yeah. I don't disagree with that. I just think that we need to care for these things in our employment agreements so employees understand the risk when they walk out the door. Right. Like if you if you even if it's just a line in your handbook, you know, um, but something so that it's very clear to those that work for us what they risk with their behavior off hours.
0: Absolutely. Like
2: so it's not a separation of church and state.
0: A- absolutely. And, you know, I think if you if you surveyed most if you surveyed all American workers, I bet 50 percent would tell you I have free speech rights at work and they 50 percent would be wrong. But there is right. a disconnect between the rights that people have and the rights that – the rights that they think they have and the rights that they actually have. And I think, and I think how you address that, I think you're right, is through policies, is through training. And I think all employers should be, particularly in this environment, should be engaging their employees on, this issue, on these issues so that employees, as, as best as an, as an employer, can reasonably get through to an employee in a training session to get through to employees that, look, you, you, don't, you don't have the free speech rights that you think you have.
2: Yeah, Agreed. And I, I would uh, we're love down to, to see a, more employers
0: do that. You guys heard the countdown. We're down to a
1: minute. Um, the, the final thought for me, some of those folks are already in our workplaces. We're just, they're, they're just not acting out. I think it becomes a matter of you know how much an employer is willing to tolerate on a case-by-case basis and what the what the employee did that drives those kind of decisions. There's no universal answer. Um I we're down to thirty seconds, like I said, so this was a great discussion. Uh uh everybody, I hope you all have the, a great rest of the week and uh we will talk to you again soon. This is Michael, um Crystal, Dwayne, John, thanks. Wanna say goodbye?
2: Thanks, Goodbye. Cheers all. <laughs>
0: Cheers everyone. Bye. Bye.